ties in well with graduation, and it ties in well just in general with each and every one of us, just this idea of confidence. In fact, my dissertation really focused in on this idea of living a confident light or leading with confidence. And I, I feel that a lot of people go through life, and even myself personally, that at times we question our confidence, whether it's in our walk with God, or our leadership, doing our job, uh, doing an athletic event, we can question our confidence, right? Um, and doing different things. So um, it was an interesting study. Uh, I learned a lot through that process. And that scripture has a lot to say about confidence, okay? It does. And as a Christian, God wants you to have a confident Christian life. He does. Now, there's a difference between confidence and being arrogant, okay? That's pride. That's not a good thing. But confidence is a good thing and finding that balance. So John, um, he writes the, the gospel of John. He writes 1 John. He writes Revelation. He actually writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So we're just looking at 1st John. Um, he writes that from what is modern-day Turkey, okay? And he is writing to these believers. He's calling them to fellowship, to know God, to love God. He talks about the Holy Spirit in their life. Last week, Pastor Andy talked about perfect love. So that idea of perfect love is very important to what we're going to talk about today, okay? Because whenever that we think of perfect, I don't know what you think of when you think of perfect, but if we were to ask Brianna and uh, Mariah, what would be a perfect test, a perfect score on a test? 100, right? Yeah, it means you get it perfect, right? You get 100, right? That's not what Scripture usually means when it talks about perfect. And it's used a lot. Jesus says, if you're going to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect, you need to do this, right? It's kind of like none of us, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. None of you are perfect, all right? Okay? Now, <laughs> sometimes your spouse reminds you of that, all right? All right. <laughs> none of you are perfect. I am not perfect. And none of us ever will be. So what, why is Scripture calling us to something that is not achievable? Well, it's not. When it uses that word perfect, perfect, a lot of times, most of the time, it means complete or mature. So that is a different per picture that if you're going to have, you know, the cheese it commercial, right? You know, the cheese has to age before it is perfect, it's complete, it's mature, right? And that's what happens with us in the Christian life, that in order for us to really be confident, there has to be a maturing understanding of God's love for us. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We can know if God's love is maturing in our life by the feelings and actions in our life. Did you know that? You can tell how mature your understanding of God's love is by your actions and by your feelings. By fear. So if there's fear there, that's a good indication that my, I'm, my understanding and resting in God's love isn't ma mature as it should be. Okay? Anxiety, timidness. Self-condemnation. These are all signs that God's love is still not complete and mature in our lives. Um, and I wish I would have heard a message like this years ago when I was younger. And that's something that's um, kind of transformed in my life, taken place in my life over the years. So um, before we begin, let's bow our heads in prayer, and then we'll be in First John chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Father, we just thank you for your word. It is your living word of God is able to transform and change us and to make us in who, into who you've called us to be, dear God. And so, Father, this morning we pray that you would come um, 
Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to your people, to us, to your church. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, we ask it in your name. Amen. 1 John three nineteen through 21 is where we're going to begin. And so he has just talked about love and hatred. And he says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we've set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Now, that is a key passage. I hope you underline that in your Bible or highlight it in your electronic version. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, we welcome you here. And I hope you take time just to welcome each other there. I failed to do that earlier, but uh, welcome each other there. But this is a key verse because it talks about if your hearts condemn you, God is greater than our hearts. In our Christian walk, we will disappoint God. We'll stumble, we'll fall along the way. Uh, think about Peter. Peter, man, he was just the standout disciple. He always knew the answer. He was the one that would walk on water. He did all these things, but he also got corrected several times. And then he denied Christ, not just once, not just twice, but three times. He denied that he knew his Lord and his Savior. You know, and Jesus reinstates him, but he, he failed in a big way. And you look at most of the people, all the apostles failed God in some way, and they are reprimanded by God, by Jesus himself for their lack of faith or their attitude of pride. Read through the Gospels, you'll see it there. Jesus would have to rebuke them. Amen. And some of you here today can identify with some of the people in Scripture. Some of you started off with zeal serving God, and then you messed up. You messed up. Maybe you messed up really big. Maybe it was small, but you messed up. And then you were left feeling unworthy. You lost your passion that you once had for serving God. Some of you may do not feel worthy of God's presence or to draw near to Him. You don't feel worthy of God's love and His grace. And when you live under self-condemnation, that's what you call that when you don't feel worthy, right? You call that self. You're condemning yourself. Because God isn't condemning you. If you've come to Him and He's forgiven you of His sins, He's not condemning you, right? He's removed your sin. He's removed the condemnation. But we can condemn ourselves. And that is what John is talking about here, is that there are times in our life where we doubt the love of God and our hearts condemn us. And the truth is that God's power, that God is greater than even the doubt within our hearts. Amen? Even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. This is what one of my commentaries says. It says, the inner voice is not overcome, is not to overcome us. We are rather to set our hearts at rest in His presence. It is implied that we... Uh, shall be able to do this only if we know that we belong to the truth. It is in the mind's knowledge by which the heart's doubts may be silenced. So the truth that God's love, that loves you and that He's forgiven you of your sin, that is the truth. If you've come in to Him and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, the truth is God loves you and He's forgiven you of your sins. But if you are a normal human being, how many are normal human beings here? 
There are going to be times you wake up in the morning, you're going to doubt God's love, you're going to doubt your, God, your worthiness in your own life. That is part of growing, that is part of maturing in God's love and in your relationship with God. It is then that we can rest in the knowledge of God and the truth that He loves us, even when our hearts condemn us. So the first principle, if you're taking notes there, that we want to catch is that the confident Christian lives free from condemnation. The confident Christian lives free from condemnation. Now, this isn't a license to go out and sin. You know, the Galatians did that, if you read through the book of Galatians. That's what they did. Hey, God's forgiven me my sin. I can go out and do whatever I want to do because God's going to forgive me my sin. That's not what this is. That's not what it's talking about. Paul says, why would you want to go and do that and enslave yourself all over again? God's called us to live a sinless life. But even in that pursuit, there are times that we're going to fail God. This is what Paul says in Romans 8.1. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So there's how much condemnation? Zero, right? Zippo. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that is the truth that we, we must know up here, but we also must believe in our heart. And there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. How many know the difference between the two? Because sometimes they can be similar. They can kind of sometimes trigger the similar response. But you can know the difference between them. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit that when you do wrong, He's going to come in and say, hey, you've done wrong, right? And you feel bad, you feel miserable, you feel yucky. That's conviction, okay? But conviction will draw you closer to God and say, hey, I've done wrong. God, I need to repent of my sin. I confess my sin. As First John, we talked about in First John 1, 9, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he does that. That is conviction. Condemnation is when we constantly feel that, that I'm unworthy. I'm condemning myself because I don't feel worthy of God's love. All right? And that pushes us away. When we don't feel worthy, instead of drawing near to God, I pull away from God, right? I pull away from God. That is usually the way that you can tell the difference. If I'm feeling conviction, I know I need to draw near to God and get my heart right with Him. When I'm feeling condemnation, I'm wanting to isolate and pull away from God, His church. And that will ultimately separate us from God. So the confident Christian lives free from condemnation. And so if we embrace that truth, we can live each day in peace and joy in our heart and fully trust Him. And I think it just dramatically allows us to live our life with confidence, with boldness, and with passion. Because if we don't feel worthy, you're just going to be kind of flying under the radar. You're just going to do what you have to do. And you're never going to feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen? Live each day with confidence, knowing that God loves you and free from that condemnation. All right, let's look at the second one. And so we're going to kind of keep going with verse 21 here of chapter 3 and then uh, jump over to chapter 5. So if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Verse 21, dear friends, if your hearts do not condemn us, we have what? Confidence before God and... We can receive from him anything, receive from him anything we ask, because 
he keeps his commands and do what he pleases him. Wow. Did you know that was in Scripture? Now, there may be some guidelines in what we ask for, right? I think the, the prayers that God hears are the ones that are in alignment with him. But God knows the desires of our heart. But here's the thing, that if we um, have confidence in him and we understand his love for us, it gives us a confidence to come before God and to bring our requests before him. And there again, there are times that people don't come before God. There's times that people don't pray bold prayers and big prayers because they don't feel like God, they, like they're worthy or that God is going to listen to them. You know, it's just me, God, right? It's just me. You know, who am I in the scope of Abraham or Moses, right? Or Joshua. Joshua, you know, he prayed and the sun and the moon stood still for a day. Have you ever prayed and that has ever happened? <laughs> right? You ever spoke to the rock and water comes out? Right? Sometimes it's, we can think, you know what, who am I? What are my prayers? But John says if we, if we live in the truth and we understand God's love, it gives us the confidence to come before a holy and an awesome God and then we can ask from Him big prayers You know, knowing God loves us gives us the confidence we need. Now, I want to illustrate this just with sons and daughters. Okay, so if you're a parent, you totally understand this. And if you're a a child or a, a teenager, a young adult, you understand this too. You take advantage of it, right? So kids will go to their father, hey, can I have 10 bucks? Now it's usually 20 bucks. What is it, Sherry? Is it 20 bucks nowadays or 10? It's 20, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> 10 doesn't buy, buy much, right? Yeah, 20 bucks. And, you know, and they, they do that with confidence. Why? Because they know that their parents love them, right? They're my parents. Now, there's times that they say no, right? But still, that doesn't keep them from coming back the second time or the third time, right? And they're even persistent. But why do they do that? Because they understand the love of a parent, and they come and ask the request. That is what God wants with us, that we come with confidence before our Father God to find help in our time of need. God is greater. So our second principle is, is that the confident Christian has boldness in approaching God in prayer. The confident Christian has boldness in approaching God in prayer. Listen to what um, Hebrews says. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, this is referring to Jesus, who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one that has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can put boldness there, too so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. Now, if you you read through the whole book of Hebrews, you'll understand that these were Jewish Christians. So they've been saved out of uh, the Jewish faith. They'd come to know Christ, but they were undergoing a lot of persecution. And they were being tempted to draw away from God, to to leave God because of, of the difficulties that they were facing facing in their walk with God and serving God. 
And the author of Hebrews reminds them, he says, you know what, God was tempted, Jesus was tempted in every way like we were, he didn't sin. And he calls them to boldly come before the throne of grace that they might receive help in their time of need. Boldly, confidently come before him. So how would you describe your prayers? Are they confident? Are they bold? Are they apprehensive? Are they tentative? How would you describe your prayers when you come before God? You don't have to give me the answer. But how you describe your prayers is a good indication of your understanding of the love of God that He has for you, His perfect love. Because if you understand the love that God has for you, it's going to totally change how you come before Him. There again, we don't come arrogantly, but we can come with confidence and boldness knowing that our Father God is in heaven and He hears us. Amen? God desires that we be people of faith. He is not put off by our bold prayers. In fact, I think He is honored by them. We come before Him for our lives, for our family, for our church, our nation, our world. We may need wisdom. You know, I prayed over the graduates, trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's times that we need wisdom, right? And if once you become a parent, that's when you really start praying as you start, Lizzie, you're going to start praying a lot of prayers for wisdom, right? Because it's kind of like, what do I do with this child? Then you get, you think, well, I got this one figured out. And then God gives you another child. And it's kind of like, they are totally different, right? And you, you start those prayers again, God, I need wisdom. Maybe it's for relationship reconciliation. You just have a relationship in your life that isn't going right. And it's beyond you. You need God's help in it. Maybe it's provision, whether it's financial or other provisions that you need God's help with, His provision. Maybe it's healing. As I mentioned, my cousin Judy, uh, we got Ellie Fochman that is going through pancreatic cancer. She needs our prayers. You have other needs and requests that are out there. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need God's peace or God's intervention. Um, God is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Amen? He is. You are His child. You are His son and His daughter. You are loved by Him. This should prompt you to live a sinless life, but also fuel you to live a confident life free of condemnation, and one that boldly comes before God in prayer. Amen. There's a final point that I want us to touch upon. 1 John 4. I never did read chapter 5, did I? All right. I better read 5 and I'll go into 4. Chapter 5, Chris, uh, if you're following there, 13 through 15. It says, I write these things so that you believe in the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have when we ask of Him. So it repeats that, that God is able to do what we ask of Him. I didn't, huh? All right. Okay. I did hit Romans 8.1, but yeah. All right. But this verse is even talk about our next point. I write these things, this is verse 13, to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Now let's go over to, just go back to chapter 4, verse 16. 416, and it says, And so we know and rely on the love of God that He has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. John just repeats all these things all over, right? This is how love is made complete. Okay, so this is what I'm talking about. God's complete love. How do we know it's made complete among us? So that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we, will be, uh, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears has not made per- is not made perfect in love. So perfect, complete love is understanding that, hey, God loves me and there's no fear in my life. Now, the fear that he's talking about is final judgment, right? Now, so Mark and Allison, they had their boards to pass a couple weeks ago, about two and a half, three weeks, two and a half weeks ago. And they were all stressed out. They both passed. They don't know their grades, but they passed. So that's a good thing. They passed. But they're pretty stressed about that, right? Um, Probably fearful, right? Brianna, you probably had some tests, finals that you had to take, right? You know, and there are tests and things in life that we have to go through, but the biggest test that we're ever going to have to pass is when we stand before Him, right? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the decision will be heaven or hell, right? That's a fearful moment, right? But John says, you know what? There is no fear. We have confidence on the day of judgment because of God's perfect love for us. There's no fear of that final judgment. You know, and I, there's a lot of people that go through life and they don't know if they have the hope of eternal life. They don't know if they were to die today, if they would go to heaven or hell. They, they try to, their best to live a good life, right? You've talked to people like that. And maybe that's you. I don't know. But you've tried to live a good life. You're, you know, you're not sinless. You've made your mistakes. And, you know, you do things when people aren't looking, right? But Scripture says we can have confidence before God. Confidence that we know that when, we, when it's God's time, whether the rapture happens and God takes away His church or we, we go to the grave, we can have confidence that we have the hope of heaven because of God's love. If we've accepted what He did for us on the cross of Calvary and we follow His commands and we live by faith, we have that hope and we have that confidence that comes from trusting Him. Amen? And so the third thing is that the confident Christian life has the assurance of eternal life. You know, when I didn't necessarily have that growing up. I grew up in the church, okay? They preached Christ. They preached salvation. But I was a young boy, right? I made mistakes. I knew it, right? I was a good young boy. For You know, I would be probably considered good. But I had my share of mistakes. And I didn't live with the assurance of my salvation. In fact, you know, I thought if I messed up, I was fearful of losing my salvation. Anybody been there? I messed up, told a lie, looked at something wrong, said a bad word. I lived in the days where my mom washed my mouth out with soap. So that only happened once. That was enough. 
So I grew up with that, if I failed God at any moment, I felt like I was in danger of losing my eternal life, my salvation in God. And through my Christian life and kind of studying God's Word, that I came to, I, I believe, a, a better understanding. There's those out there that would say, you know what, if I accept Christ, you can never lose your salvation. And I don't believe that. I believe there's somewhere in the middle. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Maybe this will help somebody here. All right? Sin is serious, and it will separate you from God. It's so serious that God sent His Son to die on the cross to deal with it. Right? It was that serious. If it wasn't serious, he could have just swept it under the rug. But it was so serious that somebody had to die on the cross for your sin, for my sin. All right? But when we come to God by faith, he forgives us of our sins. Our condemnation has moved away. He's forgiven us of our sins. We have faith in God. We have the eternal life, right? So we are saved by what? By faith, right? By belief. And so, John, we talked about that, right? A couple months ago, we talked about believe, right? It was right at Easter time. We really drilled down on what it means to believe. So when we believe in our heart, when we have faith, that is what saves us. So what causes you to lose the hope of eternal life? To lose your salvation. Often we think it is sin. The danger, well, I don't believe it is sin. Okay. Why? Because when we ask Christ in our, our hearts, our sin is removed. It is belief in God that saves us. It is unbelief. It is unbelief that condemns us. All right? Now, the danger of sin, it's kind of like, oh, okay, then I can just keep on sinning. No, you can't. <laughs> right? Why? Why can't you? Because sin hardens your heart. Oh, it's just a little sin. Yeah, yeah. It'll harden your heart because it leads from that sin to the next sin to the next sin. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Even people that are walking with God and know God, it's just so gradual, so subtle. One sin leads to the next sin and before long, their heart has become hard. And, and a once believing heart is now unbelieving. And they've lost their faith in God. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. So just turn back a little bit in your Bible to chapter 3 of Hebrews. And this is written based upon those that were in the wilderness. So they come out of the land of Egypt and they end up wandering in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years because of their disobedience. They get up to the promised land and only Joshua and Caleb have a positive report. And so they didn't want to go in. And so because of their unbelief, they did not enter into the promise of God. Okay? Now, that was their response. But that's a picture for salvation. The promised land is a picture, a type of heaven for us. Okay? Now, they didn't enter in because of their unbelief. And what happened to all those people for those 40 years? They all died off. None of them entered into the promised land that was part of that original group except two people. We'll talk about those. So let's hear what he has to say. Verse 7. So the Spirit says, the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me 
And for 40 years, they saw what I did. What did they see God do? Part of the Red Sea provided manna, water, quail daily for the, these people. Those are pretty significant miracles, folks. Did you know that you could experience all those miracles and still miss out on heaven? They saw all that I did. And that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they did not know my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that it shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. That's why we gather together as as the body of Christ, to encourage one another. If you're not encouraging one another, it's not all about you. It's encouraging each other as well. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you have uh, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to the original conviction firmly to the very end. As been said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they that heard and rebelled? Were they not those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those that sinned and their bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear they, they would never enter his rest? Is it not those who disobeyed? So see to it that you do not, that um, they were not able to enter the enter because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. The principle, the confident Christian has the assurance of eternal life. And we can have that. But we also have to be faithful in our walk with God. I'm going to have the musicians come. There was only two people that entered the promised land that were part of that original group that came out of Egypt. Who were they? Caleb and Joshua. Moses didn't even get in there, right? Because of his disobedience. Caleb and Joshua. Joshua would be their commander that would take him in and they would conquer the land. And I'm just reading through the book of Joshua right now. And Caleb, it's like chapter 14 or 15. But Caleb, at age 85, we have anybody that's 85 here today? You're not there yet, Rex. Still got a few to go. I think Rex is a lot like Caleb. Age 85, he says, you remember, he says to Joshua, because they went in together, he says to Joshua, he says, you remember, Moses says that I got the land that I got to spy out back 40 years ago. That where my feet had walked is mine. And he goes, I'm just as strong and vigorous today as I was back then 40 years ago. And Joshua says, it's yours. And so it would be the land of Hebron. Hebron has some rich heritage and biblical understanding. And so Caleb would get that land at age 85. Isn't that incredible? Why? Because he had faith. He had faith. He trusted God. And God was faithful. Amen? 
Our confidence stems from God's love. And God's perfect love becomes more complete and more mature in our lives as we draw near to God. And it allows us to live a life without fear, to boldly come before God in prayer. It allows us to be confident in our eternity with God. Amen. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation and just a prayer over our lives. Would you stand this morning? In the prayer of salvation, I'm just going to just bow your heads. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, today's the day. Don't put it off. Today is the day of salvation. We just read that. If God is speaking to you, I'm just going to encourage you to pray with me. and We're all going to pray together, but make that your prayer this morning. Have that hope, that confidence that your heart is right with God and walk with Him. So let's pray together saying, Dear God, Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to walk with you each day. And let me live a confident Christian life. Amen. And Father, I pray your hand over your people today, Lord. If there's one thing that Satan wants is he doesn't want a confident he doesn't want a confident Christian. A confident Christian makes him cringe because a confident Christian knows what they have in Christ. They know the power that is available to them. They know the authority that is available to them. They know the things that are available that they can ask for in the name of Jesus. And it makes Satan cringe. And Father, I pray this morning that we can grab a hold of your love, your perfect love for us, and all that you have for us because then we will live our life with passion, with confidence, with boldness. We'll turn this world upside down for you, Lord, when we understand what is available towards us. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise. In your name we ask, amen. Praise God. Um, they're going to lead us in this course. Denise is who you say I am. If you want prayer this morning, especially just understanding and grasping the love of God. Or maybe there's just a bit bold prayer you want us to agree with in your own life. But I'm going to have Gary and Christy, if you would join me up. One of you take a side, and uh, I'm going to be up here as well. But we're going to pray with you. And uh, let's believe God this morning. Maybe you're just wrestling with this worthiness part, and it's holding you back. It's holding you back from just serving God with the whole heart. So that's you this morning. We're going to come and uh, just, we'll be here. Pray with you. Amen. Amen. In my studies, I, when I look, when you look at confidence, the root and the understanding of it in the Old Testament comes from being able to see, you kind of, the picture you get is being out in an open field and being able to see everywhere. Why was that important? Because when you can see there's nothing hiding there, there's a confidence, there's no fear of anything that is out there. So it gives us a, there's a confidence, right? And sometimes when, uh, man, just to live a life without no fear, it just, and a boldness, that's what God, I believe, desires for us. Amen. Praise God. Well, I do have one other announcement. 
Um, our website was hacked this week. Yeah, yeah, she's hiding back there. Who am I turning this over to? All right, I'm going to turn it over to him. So, yeah, Sarah hacked our website. I didn't hack it. No, it um, was, it had you can Sa- stay up here. It was Sarah written all over it. You can it, stay yes. up here. Uh, no, we wanted to take time to honor Pastor Brent uh, for also being a graduate. Um, and I just have a scripture that was just placed on my heart um, that I want to share with you guys. It's Paul talking in Philippians, straining toward the goal. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press it on to make my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, for, I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. This is the scripture that I want you guys to key in on here. And this is what Pastor Brent is, has been to us. For those of you that have been at the church with the church that started. Um, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And Pastor Brent, the, mas- the message he just preached... He's lived that, the confident life. It's been tested, even in the area of his education, but he, he, he kept being willing to, to learn all that God has for him. And even though the things that have happened in his life were maybe bad, God turned it around and used it for good. And this confidence that he talks about is also in his curriculum that he went and did his master's in. And so I want to encourage you, to follow in his example as I will continue to and I'm blessed and privileged to and if you guys want to extend your hands and and let's go ahead and pray over him as well so God we just thank you God for the example the man of God that you have put here in this place God that has followed in your footsteps of keeping you the goal Jesus even in the area of education God it wasn't for his own kingdom it wasn't for his own doing it was to glorify you in his gifts, his talents, God, his life, God, all the things that, whether they were good or bad, I thank you, God, that he was always willing to keep his heart open, God, to learn, to see who you are, and to make you known, God, I thank you, and would you help us to follow in those footsteps, just as Pastor Brent has led us by example, keeping our eyes fixed on you, Lord, and I just pray that you'd bless him and his family, And for the many generations to come, God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.